0: This, uh, this week um, is the final week, obviously, before Christmas, and it's get your eyes ready for Christmas. In Matthew 16, uh, verses 15 through 17, he said to them, "'But who do you say that I am?' Simon Peter replied. "'You are the Christ, the Son of the living God.' And Jesus answered him, "'Blessed are you, Simon.' for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The Apostle Paul said, God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts and give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the question is, how shall we prepare our heart this Christmas to receive Christ? Should fix our gaze on him in the Bible, look to Christ, consider Jesus, and pray. Look beyond your own flesh and blood, and ask that God would give you eyes to see and ears to hear, that you might cry out with Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So now we'll light what's called the angel candle, or the candle of love.
1: Don and Becky, as we continue to... Uh, bring traditions to you that are, are good, and uh, we hope that you can do at your own home that bring out Christ. And so, uh, we want to continually show these examples to you. Uh, and so, I want to continue our theme this, this Christmas season. We've been talking about the fullness of times, the fullness of the gospel, Uh, And this morning, I want to look at the fullness of God. Uh, And so, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at a prayer. Um, And so, this prayer is one that is meant for us to pray. And so the end of our time together, what I'm inviting us to do is to pray. uh, To take this text and make it our own personal prayer for Christmas season as well as to pray for others. It occurs to me that as we uh, are celebrating Christmas, a lot of the things we do to celebrate Christmas Really become hollow, and do not bear up to the weight of our soul, except for the meaning of Christmas: God becoming flesh through Jesus Christ. I had discovered uh, last week on uh, our our cable uh, on our our TV this channel that does the Yule Log. I thought this is this is great. This is wonderful. You you can. Put it on the screen, and it has this Yule log on your TV that has the nice crackling, uh, roaring sound of a fire. And then it'll even play some Christmas music. Uh, and so, um, this morning, uh, I get up, you know, it's still dark, and get this Christmas tree lights, and, and I cut on the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, this is almost like having a fire, You know, I hear it, uh, I see it, I don't smell it, I don't have to clean it, but I don't feel it. And and everything's good about it, unless I was really cold. If I was really cold, then this would not be a comfort whatsoever. It's just the appearance of a fire. I I think back to uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Mary, uh, when we were in uh, Belarus, and it was... uh, cold in March and uh, it was a uh, the heat system there is operated by the government by the state and so if uh, you know if you were cold tough you just have to wait till the government cut on the heat um, and when they cut it off you, you got to just deal with it and so evidently they had not seen fit to cut on the heat uh, where we were staying and that, and the next morning uh, it was shared with us that uh, they wanted the lights on uh, so that there could be some sense of warmth uh, but the only problem is there were fluorescent lights, which has no heat whatsoever coming out. But it's just the idea, like maybe I can be warm if that light is on. All right? And so, the, here's the thing. In Christmas season, we have a lot of things that have the appearance of warmth. And they all make us feel good, unless we're really cold in our soul. You know, the Christmas singing... The Christmas tree, the decorations, the parties, the Christmas drinks and, and food and cookies, and even the the Advent uh, wreath, the Christmas bells, the poinsettas, Santa Claus in the mall, the lights up everywhere we go has the appearance of warmth, unless we're really cold of soul. Interesting enough, when our heart is burdened with grief, those things that once bring warmth really only just hurt. It's just like the facade of a fireplace, but really no warmth. And those of us who are young, who have not yet experienced the bitterness that can come with grief, right now it all is great But we've not yet had it tinged with people who are not there. Many of you are there. You know what that's like. And so what I want to present to you is not Christmas fluff, not a facade of a fire that's on TV. I want to just present to you what Scripture has to say that is at the heart of Christmas. With the hope and the prayer that you will know the real warmth of christmas of god becoming flesh that you can find some comfort and joy in your heart i'm going to pray for those of us who have not yet experienced the the bitterness of loss that we can see through the image the mirage of Christmas and what we know as Christmas, and that we can have God open up our eyes to see what really is here, that we would not be deceived by what the world presents to us as the warmth of a fire. And so, with that thought in mind, I'm going to ask that we read together this prayer. It's a, a pinnacle prayer uh, of throughout the book of Ephesians, and just builds in crescendos. Uh, with this last point. And so, I'm going to ask that we stand as we read together verse 14, reading through verse 19. For this reason, and as you read that, know this echoes verse 1, and verses 1 through 13 is parentheses, so the logic of the the scripture goes from verse 1 to verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on earth and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might bring you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being So 2 weeks ago we looked at the fullness of time in which we learned that in the fullness of time Christmas God came to redeem mankind and in the fullness of time the second coming God is going to unite all people in Christ. And then we learned last week as we saw in John chapter 1 the fullness of grace, the fullness of truth that we see in Jesus is the fullness of the gospel. And in this passage, I think that we'll see how they all married together with this prayer. And I love how this prayer ends with verse 20 and 21. This prayer that we have, understand that God can answer this prayer beyond all that we could ask or think or imagine. Jesus will answer this prayer. And so, let's start with the end. Uh, This prayer is working on a crescendo of steps. And so the pinnacle of this prayer is found in verse 19, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And so uh, I want to just start right there. And we're going to work our ways upwards or backwards, depending on your perspective, uh, and, and get to the beginning of this prayer as we conclude. But to know that this is the end goal, that we are to pray for something. We're going to pray that we experience the fullness of God. And so to experience the fullness of God, we pray for a great, all right, now this is going to be lengthy, all right, soul anchoring, all encompassing, never stopping, identity making, great love of Christ. All right. So to experience the fullness of of Christ, of the fullness of God, we pray to God for a great soul anchoring, all encompassing, never stopping, identity making great love of Christ. This idea of being filled with God, of all of who he is, the, the fullness of God, the complete all-satisfying nature of God. The idea of being filled, think of it to be satisfied. It's not not this idea of uh, perhaps maybe an Eastern religion of that God is a spirit, and so that uh, we just, uh, to be filled with God, we have to be empty of ourselves, so we let the essence of who God is fill our hearts. All right, That's not what we're talking about here, because that leads to a uh hindu and new age thinking of let's just try to get to the nirvana which is the point of nothingness to say let's lose all our desires and just exist lose all your desires and exist and just receive god around you all right that's not what is being talked about here nor is it the pantheist view that god is in everything okay these have the elements of truth but is not the truth And so when he's talking about this fullness of God, he is talking about something that is found in Jesus Christ and that you are satisfied with the complete nature of the person of God. Eastern religions do not have this idea that God is a person. Therefore, you cannot know God if he is not a person. So you need to understand uh, what we're talking about here. And so... This uh yesterday we had our Christmas gathering with my side of the family and I I had a I ate so much. It was just like every opportunity, you know, we started we started at 8:30 in the morning for breakfast. And we had a huge breakfast and we snacked on it throughout and so then at 12 we get the 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 leftovers of that and then we kept snacking on crackers and cheese ball and fruit and and then to top it all off, I went to a, uh, a Korean church last night uh, where they introduced me to, or not Korean, to a Vietnamese church uh, where I, I got exposed to all kinds of various rice. <laughs> right, various rice. Uh, and so I was just completely full. You could have offered anything to me at that point and I would have said no. I do not need it. I do not want it. Do not make me. Alright. And so when we're talking about being satisfied or being uh, uh being filled, have in your mind satisfied. Alright. It's not that you are some cup and you got por- portions of God in you. That, that's not the right idea. It is that you are satisfied with all of who God is. You do not need anything else outside of God for you to have your life made. Okay, if you are telling yourself, "If I have to, if I can make such money, if I can get to this position in my life, if I can get my children to do these things, or if I can get my parents to do these things, if if I can get my house to look like this, if I could get this type of car, if I could get this list." done all right if if i can get just these people around me to give me this amount of respect if you're telling yourself that you have to have these things you are not being satisfied filled with the complete person of god you're adding to it it's like okay god's there but i have to have these things for me to be content and so notice the the words i put here to experience the fullness of god We pray for a great soul anchoring love of Christ. Where do we get that? You see how he prays uh, in verse 19. He says, I want you to, I pray that you know, or that you be filled with all the fullness of God. But you see that word that? In other words, there's something has to take place before you can know the fullness of God. And what is that? Well, you just read above that. Verse 19. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled. With the fullness of God, for us to know and be satisfied with the fullness of God, we must know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. All right. So when we're talking about knowing, it's not just cerebral. Okay, God loves me, but there is indeed an experience that you endure, that you go through to know the love of Christ. Now, all before this, in verse eighteen and verse seventeen, he talks a little bit more about this love so let's look at that he says in verse 17 he prays that you are being rooted and grounded in love now you need to understand something he has already in ephesians chapter 1 and ephesians chapter 2 declared to them that they have god that they are in christ they know this in their head he's told them he is talking to church members saints in ephesians all right And so they already have Christ, but now as he's praying this, he's praying that they experience something. Something that God has already declared. God has declared that he loves you, but have you experienced that in your life? And so that's what he's praying for. So he's praying that you're rooted and grounded in love. This is where we get the idea of soul anchoring love. In other words, everything may come and go in your life, but if you have this, this just one thing you know you can carry on. I talked with a, a, a lady not too long ago, and uh, her life, as she knew it, was falling apart. It happened with divorce. And then with divorce, all the kids and the family being dispersed. And see, here's the problem. She lived for that. For the first 30 years of their marriage, she lived for her family. And so when that was gone, she had no anchor. And she was asking me, I don't know the purpose of my life. I don't know what to do. My anchor has been disintegrated and I am drifting. You see, Paul is praying that for us, that we know a soul anchoring love of Christ. It is to say, everything else may fall in my life, but if I have the love of Christ, I've got an anchor for my soul. And Then I use the word all-encompassing. You see this idea he says in in verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, length, height, and depth of the love of Christ? He says there is extreme limits to the love of Christ. In other words, it it is not something easily violated. It is all-encompassing. It doesn't really matter who you are, what you've done in your past, the love of Christ can extend to you. To know it and to experience his love. It doesn't really matter what race you come from. Said, in fact, interesting enough, as we get to the first of this prayer, in verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. I, uh, Jeff brought this out some time ago. He was talking about genealogies, and he was talking about the names. And it was just an interesting idea of it doesn't really matter what your family name comes from. And we make a big deal as far as the heritage and lineage, especially in America, if you can figure it out, it's always interesting. But to understand, it doesn't really matter where it's coming from. It's going to Christ. It's going to God. So it doesn't really matter what ethnicity and name you come from. You are going to God. It's going to end up with your relationship with God. And so here's this this prayer that it doesn't really matter where you are at the love of christ extends to you it is offered to you and so all-encompassing never stopping this is the idea of loving kindness mercy steadfast love of god the love of christ is a never stopping love identity making identity making here's the thing We all tend to get our identity based on what we do or who we know, what we're loved for. We get our identity for what we are loved for. Why do people love you? Because you've got some notable quality about you. And so you you build on these things and you get your identity based on these things, whether it's sports you, you have great fanfare because you're good at some sport. Or you're good in your business. Or you may be generous. Or you might be a servant to the other. And so you, you start majoring on that because you get identity from that. You feed off of that. But what do you do when you lose that ability? If it's a sport and you become crippled in some way, your health is impacted, it rocks your world. And so identity making love of christ it is to understand that we need a foundation that nothing can take away from that our hope is secure that is not subject to the things of this world we have towels that we got for for marriage 17 years ago and we got so many towels but we can't use all these towels let's put them up in the attic and we'll store them away so that when 20 years comes and there's these towels worn out we'll get these boom we'll never have to buy towels in our life again But we never counted on the fact that squirrels might get into the attic and do who knows what with those towels. So Now here I'm thinking, oh, I was hoping that we'd have... (laughs) See, everything in this world is subject to the laws of this world. But the love of Christ is beyond the effects of this life, the effects of this world. It is a stable, secure identity uh, source. The love of Christ. Now... Here's the the logic, jump For us to know the fullness of God, to experience and be satisfied with the the fullness of God, we have to know this great love of Christ. But how do we know the great love of Christ? Verse 17 is the next progression basis that we need. Before we can know the love of Christ, to experience God's love, we must pray that our hearts are indwelt with Christ. That our hearts are in dealt with Christ. For us to have capacity, to understand the love of Christ. Do you understand? It's not just a logic thing, it is a supernatural spiritual activity that comes in through Christ, His Spirit, at work in our life, indwelling us. That is the, the grammar that brings us out. Verse 17 to verse 18. You've got to have Christ dwelling in your heart so that you can be rooted and grounded in love. So let us pray, not only for us to know this love of Christ, but let us pray for our hearts to indwell us with Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is liberty. So what we're saying is the Bible is equating the Holy Spirit with Christ. For us to know the love of God, it's going to be because Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is d- indwelling our hearts, shedding broad the love of God. Now, as I said before, this is not just knowledge. It is an experience for God to put the love in our life. I, I talk about it, We can talk about this another way. If you go to our home... Or you go to anyone's home, I can learn a lot about you by what you notice in a home. It reveals you. Some of you are looking at different things, and you've got right here, you've got some pet peeve going on right now. It's like, man, I really wish that thing was straightened. Or, you know, you've got something going on. Uh, it's like, why is he wearing that for? You know, or, uh, you've got some perspective, and it reveals more about you. What you're interested in. For instance, if you come and visit our house and, you, and you're looking at the TV. I say, oh, that, that's cool. I, 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 I've been wondering, what it reveals to me that your interest, you don't notice any of the decor except for the TV. All right? Well, so that reveals something about you. Or some of you might come in and say, look at that window treatment. And I'm thinking, is there something on the window? It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But you, you're revealing something about where your interests lie. You have an eye for something, don't you? Every one of you have an eye for something and it reveals where your heart is. We're all a little different in that. But here's the one thing, that if we have Christ, the Spirit of God, indwelling our hearts, He orients our mind and our thinking to the love of Christ. I cannot comprehend how great God's love is for me in my own natural faculties. I need help. I need help god's spirit some of you are listening to me is like pastor okay great god loves me i get that what's the big deal that attitude perhaps reveals maybe that you need to start praying for god to show you what the big deal is now as we keep on reading how do we experience this indwelling of christ we go up to the next verse 16 Remember, each one of these has the word so that in front of it, or that. Which tells us that this is based on something. How is it that we can have Christ dwell our hearts? Well, we need something else. Verse 16. That according to the riches of the glory, he may grant you be strengthened with power through his spirit to your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. For me to have Christ dwell in my hearts, I need the spirit of God to strengthen my inner being. That seems kind of... Weird, doesn't it? I mean, we don't talk like that. You're looking kind of weak in your inner being. You know, we don't think that way. We don't look that way, but God does. You're looking kind of weak in your inner being. You're looking strong. You're strong in your inner being. This is a product of God's working in our life. We have to pray for this, for for us to strengthen our inner being. How does that happen? Well, you see, that it's done with the power through His Spirit in our inner being. The Bible teaches us that we are dead. Spiritually, we are dead. It happened in Genesis 3 when man sinned. When we sinned, we separated ourselves from God and our spirit died. We have no communication with God. We're dead to God. And there's nothing really we can do about it. We're just stuck that way. But God comes in and through Christ gives us life. What does that mean? Gives us the ability to respond to God. Jesus said uh, that this is eternal life that you might know God he gives us the capacity and now the relationship to talk to God strengthens our inner being so that we might know and experience Christ indwelling within us all right now how does this happen in our life first of all we know it happens through prayer God reveal yourself speak to us. strengthen my inner meaning being give me a, a heart toward love a capacity to love by indwelling me with your spirit and that I might know your love so that I might be satisfied with the fullness of God. Alright? So it happens through prayer, but it also happens through the word of God. If you read throughout the New Testament, you'll find time and time and time again that the word of God is used by the Spirit of God. For example, in Acts 1:8 and Luke 24, verse 48, it teaches us that power is given to us for witnessing and that this witness is primarily with the word of God. Luke chapter 4 verse 14 says that Jesus returned from the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. And he fought the devil with the power of God in the wilderness. And what did he do? He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture. And John six sixty three, Jesus said, is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail or no use. The words that are spoken to you are spirit and life. The words of Jesus are life-giving power. Ephesians 6, 17, it says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So you want the Spirit of God working in your life, He's going to use the Word of God. 1 John 2, verse 14 says, I write to young men because you're strong and the Word of God abides in you and you've conquered the evil one. So they are strong, they are powerful, because of the Word of God abiding in them. Listen, I'm going to tell you, we need to be praying this, but we also have to understand that the Spirit of God is going to work with God's Word. If you do not have much of the Word of God in your mind and your heart, you have very little spiritual power. I can't put it any other way. If you have very little of the Word of God in your mind, in your heart, you have very little spiritual power. The good news is that can be remedied. Simply, constant, continual reading of God's Word and yes, memorizing God's Word, living out His Word. But not only to have the Word of God, to know it, but to believe it, to trust in it. And then, obey it if we have a tendency of shutting down the spirit god's work in our life what he's telling us to do if we have a habit of saying no our lines are so clogged that there's a point where the spirit of god just stops talking to us because our lines are so clogged with our own rebellion and disobedience that is one of the things we must take care in, is that there is obedient hearts. The more you listen to God, the more the Spirit of God speaks to you. Very simple. Why would He keep on talking to you if you're not listening? Every school teacher knows this, right? Don't you remember? Sitting in class, the teacher's talking, everyone else, especially this time of year, is doing their own little deal, and finally the teacher just stops. Says, I'm going to wait for you to finish. I'm not going to compete with you. The Spirit of God is looking for hearts that will listen to His Word to speak. So as we get to this point, We see this prayer. Let me just break it down. We're going to pray that we can experience God's fullness, that we'll be satisfied with his fullness. How do we do that? We're going to pray that we know that all-encompassing, never-stopping, soul-anchoring, identity-making love of Christ. How are we going to experience the love of Christ? We're going to pray that Christ indwells our heart. How is it Christ is going to indwell our hearts? Because our inner man is going to be strengthened. You see, when we sin, I have found one of the greatest ways to know the love of Christ is to think about our specific sin. Jesus said that the Spirit of God is going to come to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Why is that important? So that we can love Him more. When we love Him more, we experience and satisfied more with it. it's crazy, isn't it? For us to know God and be satisfied with Him, we have to have the Spirit of God illuminate how we sin. You see, think of any sin you do. Let's just lie. When we lie, I've had someone explain this to me. The glory of God is not honored when we lie. Usually that lie is about maintaining some sense of glory of our own isn't it when we lie the holiness of god is not reverence because god is truth and we do not revere that we we lie when we lie the greatness of god is not admired because we want people to admire our own greatness thus we lie when we lie the power of god is not praised because we feel like something can't happen right unless we lie about We cannot trust in the power of God. When we lie, the truth of God is not salt. When we lie, the wisdom of God is not esteemed. We think we can have our own wisdom instead of trusting God's wisdom. It says, do not lie. When we lie, the beauty of God is not treasured. We, can, we don't want to lift up God's holiness and His truth. We want to say, listen, look at my truth or my facade of truth. When we lie... The goodness of God is not savored. We do not believe that it is good of God for us to owe up to our own sinfulness. And so we lie about it to have some facade of holiness. We don't believe that God is good to take care of that. When we lie, the faithfulness of God is not trusted. When we lie, the promises of God are not relied upon. When we lie, the commandments of God are not obeyed. When we lie, the justice of God is not feared. When we lie, the grace of God is not cherished. When we lie, the presence of God is not prized. And when we lie, the person of God is not loved. And this is the one who made us. Do you understand when we just do a lie, how it is violating the greatness of all who God is, and this is just one sin. This was just one action that we have committed maybe once this week. You see, when you can sense the sinfulness of our own life, it is more than we ever dare to imagine how broken we are. And that's why the love of God is so precious. To know who we are from God's eyes And then for God to say, I love you. Even though I know all of that about you. And you're just coming to terms with how it is against me. I love you. And you are more accepted than you dare to imagine. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. So that we can comprehend how great God's love is for us. So that we can be fully satisfied With the fullness of God. And we must have Christ indwell our hearts to to be able to do that. And for that to happen, we have to have our inner men strengthened. But all of this, remember, is praying to God. Verse 14. I bow my knees before the Father. If you're not satisfied with God, it's because you've not prayed for it how do I know you're not satisfied with God? Because you have to keep going to something else for your identity. You're never going to find it in your husband. You're never going to find it in your wife. You won't find it in your children. You won't find it in your job. You won't find it in a boyfriend or girlfriend. And the quicker you can owe up to that, the quicker you can go on with God and find the complete satisfaction. You see christmas all that facade of preparation and when you don't have your boyfriend your girlfriend your husband your wife your children your parents you don't have them and you're thinking you know what these christmas songs don't quite do it anymore the christmas lights don't seem as cheerful because i used to put these lights on with them this what do i do now you go to Christ. Who says to you, you are not made for these things. Let you know and experience the warmth of God in your life. Start with a prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees to my God, my Father. Let me bring in one more. I'm going to take you to Colossians chapter 1. Who is this one we're praying to? God, our Father verse 15 he is the image of the invisible god who's he jesus he is the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in him and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, referring to Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Who is this one we're praying to? It is God the Father. But how on earth can we trust this God, this Father who is invisible? We do not yet know. How can we trust him? Because of Christmas, this God who is invisible took on flesh, and in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell bodily, In Him. The whole reason we can pray what we just prayed, that I can be satisfied with the fullness of who God is, is because God revealed Himself, the fullness of who He is, was pleased to dwell bodily in Christmas. For those of you who have sorrows of heart that you're finding very little comfort in this world, I would present to you that God can satisfy your heart and you can know who He is because of Christmas. But it happens with the prayer. When was the last time you prayed, God, I want to be satisfied with all my heart with who you are. That is a prayer. We must pray. Those who claim that we've been bought by Jesus Christ. That belong to body and soul. We must pray that, and God is glorified when we know this contentment of God. When was the last time we prayed, God? Show me how great Your love is for me, that I might be content with all of who You are. When was the last time, God? Let Your Son Christ dwell in my heart. Let me be a home for Him. When was the last time we prayed, God? strengthen who i am on the inner convict me of sin convict me of judgment convict me of what is right that i might know christ it is a foolish thing an inconsistent thing to say i love christmas and not be satisfied with the love of christ can you see how inconsistent that is But this world carries it on with that same refrain. I will love Christmas, I will love celebration, but I will not love Christ. Do not join with that group. Let us be those who say, God, you make my heart full. Though loved ones are no longer here, though My health is declining, though the things that once brought profit in my life are withering and dying right in front of my eyes, though my health is waning, let my heart be satisfied in you because I trust in you. That's Christmas. And sometimes we only get there by losing the fake fires that only pointed us to something that really has worth Christ. Let's pray.